everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. and welcome back to another week of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We are so thankful to be with you again this week. We hope that you're having a wonderful time. We hope that you guys are getting to experience fall, um, depending on where you're listening around the world. I'm in South Florida, so our fall is just hot, just slightly less hot, just slightly less hot, and then back to hot again. That's our seasons of the year. But we hope that you're having a wonderful time and you had a wonderful week. And today we will be talking about uh, hygiene, the paradox. So essentially, all the hats that we're wearing, how to appropriately delegate and kind of manage our, you know, ever evolving list of tasks that we do in each, uh, each hour and each day on our job. So remembering, it's getting back to remembering the core of our job as prevention specialists and how we can best do that moving forward, taking into account all the responsibilities that we do have. So, and I'm going to hop in for two seconds and just say that the reason we're doing this is because we realize how easy it is to feel like you're drowning or feel like you're losing your mind. And thus the title of this podcast is um, navigating sanity in the operatory, because I feel like I don't, I, I mean, I know how you feel because we talk all the time, but hygiene is really hard. There's a lot going on. And I think you have to be so, so intentional to keep yourself healthy as you are trying to get your patients healthy. Mm -hmm. So I just think today's going to be a fun conversation about, you know, being real about everything we have to do and how to really kind of prioritize and how to make it work without feeling like you're not doing enough or feeling like you're insane or feeling burned out. Yeah. Yeah. And all those things, I mean, we'll get to it, but all those things I think are very perfectionistic and a lot of us are, are there, you know, in the dental field, it's again, that, that, um, detail orientation and like our tendency to be like type A and detail oriented and perfectionist and struggle with that and feel like we're never doing enough kind of thing. Or like if there's a task that was left undone that, that we have failed in some way. And it's just not true. You know, the the tasks are never done. There's always going to be more to do tomorrow. So it's kind of like how to, feel good, you know, walk away from your day, feel good. Like you did the best that you could with the time that you had, with the patience that you had, with the support that you had and kind of like move forward and just continue doing your best and feel good about it. Yeah. So, um, obviously the core of our role is clinical, right? So we went to hygiene school. We spent at least two years in my case, three and a half, just prerequisites, all the things, and then went back and got a bachelor's degree, but we spent all that time learning how to do clinical hygiene, right? So then we get out of school and it's kind of like, oh, by the way, you have to understand insurance and present treatment plans and collect the payment and also be the doctor and look at, you know, everything you could possibly diagnose without actually diagnosing it 
And then also assist yourself while you're doing sea lunch and setting up for your day and kind of trying to, you know, hit all the birds with one stone. And it's just a lot of that stuff, you know, for me, smacked me in the face when I graduated. I was like not expecting most of it. And like, oh, wow, I, I wasn't given much of a like warning or a heads up about like, this is the reality of like the way that hygiene is going. Right. So just, you know, we have to, at the end of the day, have time, actually make time to do the hygiene procedures that patients need and want. And those that bring in revenue for our practices so that we can continue providing the care that we went to school in order to provide. Right. Right. So it's sometimes easy, I think, for us to feel saturated doing things that are not at the core of our purpose as prevention specialists. And some of the things like like the things that I just listed that may cause us to have feelings of overwhelm or confusion in our role as dental hygienists are, you know, those excessive administration tasks, <clears throat> high diagnostic and assessment expectations, pressure to complete hygiene the same day and perhaps even produce a certain amount on top of all of that, while generally acting as our own assistants during hygiene procedures. So we're both very familiar with the ever-shrinking hour and are here to tell you there's no reason for any member of the dental team to do it all alone. And, well, today, and, it's, and that's impossible, right? It's impossible. Yeah, yeah it's unrealistic. Yeah. And today we want to talk about how, you know, we've learned to manage and delegate some of these things effectively on our respective teams so that these tasks have become a lot more manageable and we're able to get back to the core of what we do best, which is the hygiene, of course. Um, so let's first start talking about administrative tasks, a.k.a. the the ones that are furthest away from the clinical aspect, right? So non-health related, some of these would include scheduling next visits, presenting treatment plans chairside, understanding ledgers, past due balances, insurance, and what to collect during checkout. I'm going to add in because I know in some practices, like for us, we also do the entire walkout for the appointment mm-hmm. and collect and post the payment. Mm-hmm. So that, that, you know, those are a lot of the admin things we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's a lot of hygienists that work on their recare, you know, reaching out to patients that are overdue. Right. Um, you know, corresponding with um, our referral docs, you know, sending emails and x-rays and things like that when we're, we're doing referrals. There's a, there's a lot of admin stuff that we uh, have on our plate. Yeah, a lot of admin stuff. And I think that it's, I, I kind of get like the, the notion of doing this. Like there are studies that show, this is a big thing for Spodak because we're, we're really big. And I know that you guys are too on the patient experience. So just thinking of like, there are, there's research that shows like the fewer people that a, pay, that a person interacts with, the better they feel about their experience. It's just like continuity and not having to like re-explain yourself or, or reacquaint with a new person or like try and, you know, it's kind of like when you go to the doctor's office and you, you know, the front desk asks you what, you what you're there for. And then you talk to the nurse and you tell them what you're there for. And then you talk to the doctor and you tell them what you're there for and what you're allergic to for the fifth time. And then like so on and so forth. It's just having to like re-explain like things aren't being handed off properly the risk for missing information losing information so like I totally get the gist of this from yeah. a patient experience yes aspect you know and and Dr. Craig was really big on this like you know the fewer people that patients interact with the happier they are with that experience so I totally get that like they know me they trust me and totally understand so whenever right. there's like a simple you know, if it's a fee for service patient, that's a piece of cake, you know, you don't have to investigate insurance coverage. It is what it is, whatever the ledger is telling you, that's the number, you know, or I can, you know, present chair side pretty easily. That's very straightforward. The patient clearly isn't going to have insurance questions if they don't have insurance. Right. You know, I think it's totally okay too. And, and I do this, like, I am not strong 
in insurance. Like it's my, it's, I will readily say it's the least favorite part of my job. I hate messing and wrestling with insurance. I love the clinical hygiene aspect so much, but really hate having to like argue and fight and understand and look at frequencies. And, you know, are you uh, max for the year? Like that is just so it's boring to me. <laughs> and also it's like not what I want to prioritize because at the end of the day, we all have specific roles for a reason. And that is not my number one task. Right. right. Yep. So like, I feel okay about not being great at insurance and yeah. I don't, I have no desire to want to be better. Yep. <laughs> that sounds. I just don't like, I'm like, I know what I'm prioritizing. I know what I'm here for. I can ask for help if I need, I can delegate if I need. Right. And, and thankfully I'm on a, an amazing, incredible team. Our insurance coordinators, um, treatment plan, you know, presenters, anyone on the admin team is like so excellent and they will say yes at the drop of a hat, you know, like they will help me if I need, but this is just one of those things that I think it's okay to just say, we're not good at everything. I mean, I'm, I'll say, you know, I, I don't love the insurance aspect either, but for me, like I can get really lost in the numbers of looking at accounts and trying to figure out where balances are coming from and combing through all of that. Mm-hmm. And it's honestly, it's, it's kind of one of those time sucks and I don't have the time for it. Right. So yeah, I definitely lean on our business team and our insurance coordinator when I see balances. And if, you know, if I can't trace that, that down within a minute, I'm like, okay, can you look at this for me and just let me know what, where this is coming from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think that that's totally okay. What I want to kind of address, though, or like maybe brainstorm about is like, if someone doesn't have as much support available, like what, what do you think? Or where could they go? Do you think with this? Is this like something that we could circle back to? Because I know that one of the challenges is like the best time to collect a past due balance or collect in general from a patient is when they are physically in the office. Yes, right. Because you're, the yep. chances of collecting after the fact and trying to get a hold of them and track them down, first of all, it's a lot of hours and time that, that we don't, we shouldn't be spending, right? It's right. work that could have been completed. So like, I'm just wondering how someone could ask for help or, you know well, what I, I mean? Like, like, on yeah, the I think it always goes back to working together as a team. And if your team is maybe short staffed or you don't have all of the positions that Brittany and I have working in a larger practice, I think it's honestly kind of that, that team family conversation with, with the doctor or the office manager of like, Hey, um, you know, and this is actually a great conversation to have right before the new year rolls in, like, Hey, why don't we all kind of get together and put our heads together and let's look at the areas that are barriers for us or for our patients and talk through how we can make this go smoother for everyone mm-hmm. and kind of develop a game plan. And maybe that means that somebody else needs to be brought into the practice, or maybe that means that roles need to be redefined or, you know, and there's, and I guarantee you that there's probably some posi- other positions within the practice that are having some other, you know, having some tensions and, and feeling that way. And, and you talked about um, the insurance aspect and, you know, not always being great with that. So you can go to your insurance coordinator. And we were talking about, you know, in our practices, we walk out our services and collect for those and post payment for those. One of the reasons we do that in our practice is, is just like you said, to have really great customer service and and have help the patient have a great experience, but it's also to take the guesswork out of it and make everything more streamlined because as the provider in the, you know, in the operatory, we know exactly what services we did. So if we walk something out and if it's not correct, we're going to catch that because we're the ones doing it when we go, you know, to collect and post and all that. 
But if you're passing that along to someone who wasn't in the back and had no idea how the conversations went and doesn't know what went on, then they are uncertain. And if the patient asks them a question, then they look like they don't know what they're talking about. So it just takes a lot of the guesswork out of it. Mm-hmm. So I think for someone who's listening to this and saying, well, gosh, this sounds great. When you have a lot of people to support you, I don't have that. I still think it's worth having a conversation with your lead and your admin and your you know, management to say, hey, these are some things I'm running into. Let's brainstorm how we can make this work better. Yeah. And I think honestly, a safety net too is um, like, if you're unsure about what to collect or unsure about like insurance things is like quoting the worst case scenario and collecting the worst case scenario. And that way, if nothing else, you probably over collected and the person has a credit instead of a balance. And that's a lot easier to handle. Correct. Right. Right. So then the, because then we're not chasing anyone, then it's paid in full and then it just remains, you know, a, a credit on their account. So like some of the, some of the ways that like I do this chair side is if I see that a person, it looks like they're maxed for the year. And I'm like, I'm strapped. I wasn't expecting to do this same day localized scaling or something like that. You know, I will look and just like ballpark it and tell the person the worst case scenario and collect the worst case scenario. Like I will be like, Hey, looks like you had two crowns this year. I'm guessing on the top of my head, like you're probably maxed for the year. So I'm just letting you know, worst case scenario is you pay $400 out of pocket, like blah, blah, blah. That's what I'm going to collect today. Best case scenario, you have some remaining benefits and we'll, we'll have a surprise credit on your account. That feels better to the patient too. than like, Hey, I think you owe a hundred dollars. And then three months later, they get a $300 bill in the mail. Right. You know, like that is also maintaining the patient experience. So I've kind of learned to do that whenever it's one of those situations where I'm like, I don't have time. Like, I, I just don't have time to investigate this. Like I'll just do my best and over collect when possible and then refund the patient. You know, if that's, if that's where we want to go for, with that, but I think it's safer than under collecting and then having a surprise balance. Right. Um, so the next thing is, I think definitely, this isn't even a question. I just want to be careful about how I say this because I mean absolutely no disrespect to our doctors at all. Um, we did not go to dental school. Like we are, we are not the doctor. I'm, I'm not doing dental procedures. I'm not drilling on teeth. Right. But on some level, I think that there's an expectation that we think on the same level as our doctors. Right. So what I mean by that is assessment wise, being able to look at all the picture, the pieces of this puzzle of this patient, put all the pieces together and then present it kind of like in a nutshell to our dentist after we've done this like thorough evaluation yeah. and assessment, which is which is okay. Totally good. Like totally good with that. And also I think it's one of those things that it, it takes a lot of time to do. Um, and, and also it can feel like you're walking a tightrope. I know. And I see this a lot with like our new grads or the hygienists that we hire that are kind of more fresh out of school. Like I had an experience. I overheard uh, one of our hygienists say last week that there is quote unquote suspicious decay present on number 16. And in my brain, I'm like, is it decay or is it suspicious? Are you unsure? Are you certain? Like you're certain that it's decay, but you can't say it's decay because that's diagnosing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. like you're walking the tightrope yeah. of like, I know what's there. I can see what's happening, but I cannot say that. Like, yeah. No, I like I found myself doing that as well. Like I'm looking yeah. at their x-rays and I'm saying, I definitely see some concerning suspicious areas uh-huh. here right. that look like they could be decay. I definitely want the doctor to look at this. And it is, it's hard because you know, like it right. is as clear as day, but right. It's, it, I think it's, uh, you know, that very careful verbiage to use, but you're right. We really are expected to know what's going on. 
and being able to identify those things. And for us in our practice, it's a big deal. And I think, you know, the psychology of patients needing to hear what's going on several times to really, you know, understand and own it. Um, I think we have to be talking about that to them before the doctor comes in so that it's not a shock. You know, you don't want, you don't want to be sitting there going, yeah, everything looks pretty good. And the doctor comes in and says, you know, oh, you've got six areas of decay. Right. That's, you know, that patient no longer is trust work, trusting your, your practice. So you're right. There's a lot we're having to do and think through and prepare and prepare the patient for before the doctor even walks into the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's totally not the problem. The tightrope is the problem. Like we're all, I feel like we're all educated. We're all educated enough that we can, you know, identify a suspicious lesion, right? Like a path, like potential pathology. We can identify potential caries. We can identify like perio disease, obviously, you know, an impacted wisdom tooth that's causing an issue and abscess. Like we can, we can see all of these things. We can identify all of them. It just is a, the hair situation of, I, and I, I love what I want to kind of dive into here is I love the way that you just said there are a couple areas that I'm concerned about that, that to me appear like they could be decay on the x-ray. I'm going to have the dentist kind of come in and assess and, and finish the job basically. And that's where I think we need to like leave things. You know, I think that that's, that's a healthy like spot because a lot of times I feel guilty if I missed something or I didn't pass something along to the doctor, but at the end of the day, they're the doctor. They're going to be like the safety net and the official diagnosis of the patient. Like I'm leaving it in their hands kind of thing. And this just takes a little bit of weight off of me because did I, you know, do the perio assessment? Yes, absolutely. I told them what my perio diagnosis, you know, would be. And then they come in and see if they agree with me. I let them know where I see potential areas of decay or potential issues, the, you know, potential referrals, you know, where this patient should, should go next. Do they need to go to perio? Do they need to go to oral surgery? so on and so forth. Like I am putting all this stuff, but then if I miss one thing, I'm like really hard on myself. Right. You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I can't believe I missed number 16 distal on that x-ray right. or something. You know what I mean? Like, yep. so I think it's a healthy place to leave it. It's like, just do your best with that. Well, yeah. and I think, and again, with this whole conversation of, of not losing your sanity and working within the time constraints you have, there are definitely times where I'll have a new patient come in and they have a lot going on in their mouths. And perio is one of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I spend a whole lot of time talking about and showing them what we're seeing perio wise and knowing based off what our office protocols, you know, our pre-established protocols are for, Hey, if you see this, then you do this. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing this. So we're talking about doing this kind of concept and we're talking through all of that. And at this point, I don't have time to delve into the restorative issues that I see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, again, there's, I'm like, I'm wired like you. I think a lot of us are like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not, I don't have time to do that. I'm not doing the, the best you know job here. And I think we have to step away from that. And in my brain, I switch gears because I'm very much a rule follower and I want to do it all right. So I have to switch gears and say to myself, you know what, he's going to talk all about all of that when he comes in. So I just need to make the blanket statement of, mm-hmm. Hey, there's definitely some other concerns. And I probably even pointed those out on the x-rays as we were looking at them together, mm-hmm. but I'm going to let him, you know, dive a little deeper and really talk about what we need to do here. So I think that's an easy way to give yourself a little extra time. Right. You know, if you know, like you just can't do it all, well, what can you do? Right. Hey, Bulletproof Hygiene listeners. We have some big, exciting news. 
We are proud to announce that our 2022 summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee, June 3rd and 4th. Come join us for a weekend of growth, learning, and collaboration. We'll be taking deep dives into team culture, leadership, hygiene systems, and patient care and education that bring fulfillment, career success, and practice profitability. This course has the potential to change the trajectory of your career and help you practice at the top of your game. If you missed us in 2021, trust us, you don't want to miss this. Visit BulletproofSummit.com to get all the details and observe your spot. We can't wait to see you there. And then kind of like the third sector of this, or the third section of hats that we wear and like the other roles that we kind of take on in the office is that of like being our own assistant. So I'm calling it the self-assist and we're essentially, you know, we're doing all this, this stuff, we're doing the actual hygiene procedures and we're assisting ourselves for the hygiene procedures, right? So like, we're the ones setting up our trays for the day. <laughs> if we need high volume, we're probably high volume suctioning ourselves. If we need, you know, to isolate for sealants, a lot of times we're doing that by ourselves, depending on the assistance that's available. Like I'm blessed enough in my office to have um, one or two hygiene assistants on any given day for about six to eight hygienists. So still there, there are many times when they're not available to assist me for these things. Right. So like, I'm very familiar with the concept of like doing all this myself, but like just in general, being the one to complete the procedure, that would be like the doctor, you know, doing the procedure, assisting themselves, checking out the patient, scheduling their next visit. Like it's a lot we have on our plate. Right. So that, that's my point is yep. we're, we're setting up for our day. We're assisting ourselves during the procedure. We're finishing the procedure. We're like, we're on to some extent quarterbacking all this stuff. And like, this is where the patient needs to go next. And with direction and agreement from our doctors, obviously, and like, you know, scheduling those appointments and getting it all done, but like, we're, we're doing all of these things. So this kind of leads us into at the end of the day, there are people in our offices who specialize in all three of these things. The admin, obviously they specialize in admin and presenting treatment and collecting past balances. They understand insurance like the back of their hand for the most part. Our docs went to dental school. Clearly that's, that's their forte. And then the assistants, they specialize in assisting, right? So I don't think, I, I think that we can do a few things with this. We can enlist everyone else's help with managing these tasks and becoming more proficient. But at the end of the day, I just don't think it's completely necessary or possible to be the master of any of these alternative roles because it's not our primary role. And I, and I know that I've said it again and again, but we've got to do the hygiene. Right. So, and I think that this is the tightrope and this is the rub. This is the balance is mm -hmm. because when you step back and you listen to you say this and, and, and it's, it's, (laughs) it's one of those sentences that you're like, do I want to say this out loud? But we do play so many multiple roles of hygienist, doctor in a way of, mm-hmm. of you know, and then admin, mm-hmm. and then we're playing a thousand other roles to the patient themselves, you know, being the caretaker and the therapist and the teacher and the guide and yeah. the support. Like there's, we're, we are doing so, so, so much. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, what we want to really help everybody kind of get a, get to today is how do we, because let me say this, a team is going to have crossover there. It is not possible to just do your hygiene and not bleed over right. into doing these other roles. hundred percent. And yeah. that's, that's the beauty of a team is that every team member and ideally every team member should be able to flow over 
to some degree into each other's lanes so that it is a seamless care for our patients. But I think today what we really want to focus on is how do we stay very focused in our hygiene lane, doing some veering, but when we can't veer out enough to really make happen what needs to happen, then how do we, how do we get that support that we need? Right. Yeah. So I think, so that's, and that's the next part of this. Like, how do we get that support? How can we ask for it? How can we delegate? What have we done to delegate that has worked well, you know, in some situations. So I think the first part of this is like the team assist. So finding that assistance and leaning on the team to help us complete all the tasks and like enabling them to have crossover in the other direction. Because another thing that I've noticed is like, okay, so cross training is a big thing, right? We talk about cross training in our offices and I think it's definitely appropriate. Like I think clinical should understand how to do a lot of administrative tasks and other tasks. And I think that that's completely necessary. It's a healthy thing for a team. Um, But if we think about it, like in a lot of ways, especially talking about office aspect of cross, like uh, cross training, it goes in one direction, right? Clinical can learn how to do the administrative tasks, but administration is not going to learn how to do the clinical tasks, right? right? And that's for a couple different reasons. Like, of course, we have licenses for a reason. There are certain things that we can and can't do with the license, completely understandable, but it's just not, it's not commonplace. It's not expected in a dental office for the front, you know, the administrative team to learn those clinical tasks, but it is in the other direction. So keeping that in mind, like, how can we ask the team for assistance? Right. I think in this too, this is all about communication. It really is. It's all about how to do this in a, in a team-centered, patient-centered approach. Um, because the reality is, just like we're juggling a thousand balls, it's very, very likely that your business team is as well mm-hmm. and your assistants are as well. Yep. So this, again, it's a very delicate thing, but it's not, I think you just have to be direct. I think it's not skirting around that. I think it's acknowledging that everybody else's hands are full too. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even, you know, I'll do this a lot of times at the beginning of the day is I've kind of looked through my day. I know where my roadblocks are. I know, you know, so-and-so has a balance. I don't know where that's coming from. You know, I, I kind of look and prepare, and this is honestly, I want to just step back to one second to the self-assist part. I think we have to really have a good system in place so that we are doing all that we can possibly do in the best way. Mm -hmm. So for me, one of my best self-assists is every morning I come in early. I come in about 30 minutes before anybody else gets there. And I sit down and I go through my day and all the details of it. So I know what I'm up against. Um, and I think that's really, really important so that, you know, I'm not just running in the door five minutes before our huddle, not really aware of what's happening. I've got enough on my, I know what I'm dealing with. And I, and I actually even have some notes I make off to the side for either our treatment coordinator or our, um, appointment coordinator or our insurance coordinator of things I need to know for the day. And then I go first thing in the morning and just get all those questions answered. And then I feel like, okay, I can make today happen. And they know in advance you know, what my day looks like and where I'm going to need help. So I think that's a really important part of this. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, again, these family meetings of saying, Hey, like, yes, I know that in, in my operatory, I'm setting up their next appointment. 
I'm, you know, walking out their appointment, I'm doing all these things, but there are times, and again, I think this is just a very direct conversation. There's times I might be drowning. Maybe that patient came in late. Maybe they had a whole lot of questions. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, the exam went long. Maybe there, there was more treatment indicated than what we had planned. You know, it, we know it never goes the way we think it's going to go, but know that if I come to you in the middle of the day for something, it's just because I absolutely can't make that happen at this point. Right. So, you know, I think just establishing that because sadly, I think we've talked about this before in our previous, one of our previous podcasts about making assumptions is, you know, hopefully this isn't happening, but I know the reality is a lot of times people will work out of the mentality of, well, that's not my job or, well, you're supposed to be doing that. Why aren't you doing that? Mm -hmm. And that's a very dangerous place. That's not a a great team player place, but I, I know it happens. So if we can all just be really open and if we're all grounded on taking the best care of the patients, then we know that when we ask each other for help, it's because we really need it and not because I just want to go chat for five minutes in the break room with somebody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, I'm, I'm totally with you, like setting ourselves up for success, for success as much as we can, like, and as much as is, is in our hands, like you getting there early in the morning, reviewing your schedule, understanding where the roadblocks might be, all that stuff totally, totally on board. And then having that conversation, like if this is a frustration for you every single day where you just feel like you're getting that, it's not my job mentality when you ask for help or you're getting pushed back or you just don't feel supported. Like having that conversation is the most important thing. And if you're thinking like they should know, no one should know. We don't know either. Someone else is thinking that about us. Like they should know that I need help. Like, I don't know. I'm in my lane, like trying to get my job done during the day. You know, if someone doesn't ask me, I don't know that they need my help. You know, so like, if you have to ask, just know that that's normal. Like it's normal to have to ask for help, like, and people not to know that you're drowning and that you need help and and the reason why. Right. And it's also okay to say, like you said, like, I'm not asking you because I'm lazy or for any reason other than I just need help. Like, I don't want to have to explain myself in that moment. I'm happy to talk about it after the fact, if there's an issue, you know, but like right now it's just about taking the very best care of this patient and ensuring that I'm on time and respecting my next patient and what they're going to need and all the questions they're going to have and all the things that they're going to, you know, so I think there's nothing wrong with saying that. And then this isn't, I cannot stress this enough. This is not a one-time conversation, right? Like like most conversations are not right. Right. Like there's so much repetition that needs to happen for us to really grasp things and really like work well as a team, but it can feel like, well, I already, I already asked this person for help. I asked them for help last week and then they were helping me for a couple of days and then they stopped helping me. Yeah. Because nine other things became more pressing to them and they, you know, started focusing on other things and whatever we focus on grows. And that's where we put our energy and our time and our effort. So it's like reminding people of like, Hey, I'm going to need help here today. It's okay for it to be a daily or a weekly thing. You got to do what you got to do. And asking for help is better than like not asking and just feeling resentful and burned out and overwhelmed and you know, just continue asking. That's the easiest thing. It's the lowest hanging fruit that we can, we can do, you know? Right. And I think it's, you know, it's probably important to have a conversation with your doctor too, if there are some expectations um, about, you know, what, what, what they want you to have um, ready for them when they walk into the room and that sort of thing. Um, Again, it's just that very, open conversation of, Hey, like, you know, me and you know, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability every single time, but know that if you come in and I don't have that, or we haven't talked about that yet, that there, there was something else going on that we had to address. Um, 
Cause that'll happen to me. Sometimes I'll go in to get my doctor for an exam and he'll go ahead in his office with me and look at all the x-rays and photos and everything we've done. And, you know, he'll ask me a lot of questions and, you know, I, again, I, I struggle with the perfectionism. Like if he asks me a question and I have to say, I don't know, or no, I didn't talk about that. That makes me feel awful. But at the same time, and, and I'm going to jump off course here for just a second. I think one of the biggest things to maintaining sanity in our operatories is letting ourselves off the hook. Yes. That is where it all comes down to because the legitimacy of us being able to do all the things perfectly and on time and, you know, in, in the routine that it should be is not reality. So when I've learned over the years, you know, when he asked me that, if I have to say, no, I didn't talk about that or no, we didn't go over that or no, I didn't do that um, to just let it roll right off my back because I did a lot of other things that were pressing and important or that patient was late or that patient talks a lot. And we had a really long conversation about their medical history issues, like knowing that it's okay. And, and for the doctor to be okay with that too. And knowing like, Hey, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability every time, but it's not going to look the same every time. Right. Totally. Our best looks different every day and in every situation. And that's just yep. it is what it is. It just yep. is what it is. Yeah. Lots of room for grace. Yep. <laughs> for sure. Um, and then I think I want to transition to, unless you have anything else for team assist, is um, the patient assist aspect. Mm-hmm. And I think this is important too, because there are times where I will know, you know, we've got to accomplish this, this, and this in the appointment. And then either the patient came late or just, they had an issue like, Hey, I came in with a toothache and now we need to take a PA and see what's going on. And, you know, again, things have deviated and now I don't have time to do those three things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think being honest with the patient and transparent with them is almost, I think, more respected from their front um, to say like, hey, Mr. Jones, um, it's really, really important that you always come to your appointment on time because I allot, you know, a full hour for you to be able to make sure that we do everything that needs to happen and do it really, really well. You know, I don't want to compromise your care ever. So I need to have enough time to make sure we're doing all those things. So I will always be respectful of your time. And I appreciate it if you'll do the same of mine. I think that's mm-hmm. a great conversation to have if you have those patients that are, you know, chronically being late. Yeah. Um, and then I think just letting the patient make the call for what's happening. Like, Hey, you know, I know that we had talked about doing your Velscope oral cancer screening this time, but you know, because you have this tooth bothering you and we, we've got to really delve into that. Are you okay if we, if we do that at your next visit? Mm-hmm. Or I know we had talked about doing some sealants last time. Again, you know, perio is an issue and we've got to really manage that first. Are you okay with putting that on the back burner? And really just, I think that's respectful to the patient. And I think it gives them control, which is so important for them to, um, you know, make the best decisions for themselves. And I just think it makes you look very, um, truthful about what you're doing and, and what the reality of your timing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that honesty is the best policy. And I think that they can sense that, yeah. you know, like people have built-in BS detectors yeah. and Dr. Craig says that all the time, but like, like there's nothing wrong with saying like, Hey, you know, we, you ran 20 minutes late today, you know, totally empathetic to whatever the situation was. I really can't do this to the best of my ability. Like And then Dr. Craig is big on like us giving them like the option, like, Hey, would you like a polish today? Kind of thing, like letting them choose. But then 
being very specific about like, hey, the next time I see you, we need to allot the right, the appropriate amount of time. So that will involve you coming on time. And also this is the procedure that needs to be done. You know what I mean? Like, so like, okay, let's try and with the time that we have, do the best that we can with what we have. And then like set up expectations for next time. I think that that's totally respected. And, and I tell my patients too, like if they came in and they're like very set on having a dental cleaning, you know, whether they were late or whether they end up just needing more than a healthy mouth cleaning or whatever, like I will just say, Hey, we can do a couple of things today. I can polish and clean, you know, the, the crowns of your teeth, if you want, if they're like adamant, otherwise I would, I don't ever offer this. Like, right. but if they're adamant, like I came in for a cleaning and I need my cleaning, whatever yep. I, I will say like, yeah, I can do that for you, but I just want to make you aware. This means that you're paying twice. And I would be doing this anyway, when you come back for your scaling, like, so just one, understand that. And two, like, this isn't what's best for you. Right. You know, if I'm cleaning above the gums, it's going to tighten the gums to the top and make it harder for me to get underneath the gums and blah, blah, blah. Um, so as long as we're doing this with that understanding and yes. you get that, like, then fine, I can, I can do that for you, but I want you to really understand what you're asking for here. Yes. You know, and, and I think that they respect that. I've had people tell me like, you're no nonsense. Like, thanks yeah. for giving it to me straight and blah, 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 yeah. whatever. Because I'm like, I just, I'm happy to help you. I want to do what you want and also make sure that you're getting what you need yes. on top of what you want. Right. Yeah. And explaining like the difference between those two and the similarities and like, Hey, we would be killing these birds with one stone and you wouldn't be paying for this twice. If you just right. come back on a different day and we can complete your scaling, you know? Yeah. But I think it's all about setting up expectations and communicating honestly about it. Yeah. Um, one thing that we didn't talk about that I think we should probably just roll back to for a second is under the team assist portion for patients who need some um, restorative work done. Mm-hmm. And maybe you spent your entire appointment doing your hygiene, you know, getting things cleaned up, doing your oral cancer screening, updating your x-rays, doing all the things, um, but they have a good bit of work that needs to, to happen. Um, I think, and and there's a couple of different ways you can go with this, I feel like. If to me, if there's a whole lot and I know it's going to be a long conversation with the doctor, um, sometimes we will bring that patient back to do or almost like a treatment plan visit yeah, um, or a consultation kind of visit where they can really sit down. And again, that's just setting the expectations of, you know, there's a lot that's changed in your mouth. There's a lot that's happening here. I don't want to rush you through this. I want you to be able to have all of your questions answered. Mm-hmm. Um you know, would you be comfortable just, you know, coming in maybe next week for 30 minutes or, you know, to, to sit down with the doctor so that you guys can really plan this out well, and we can make sure we're meeting your goals. So that's kind of an option. Mm -hmm. I think we do have a treatment plan coordinator in our office and that is a lifesaver to us. And so if there's a whole, again, it's a larger treatment plan. If the patient wants to do sedation, if, you know, there's just a whole lot to it, or it's, you know, like a full mouth rehab or a smile design, um, we will have her, we'll transition to her coming in and, and doing the exam with the doctor so that we can move on to our next patient. Um, there have been some times where she's busy. She's got her own schedule of consults and she's in there with them. And this is a large case. And this is going to be a lot that will either, reappoint them to come back with her and the doctor, or we'll just say, would it be okay with you if we have her reach out to you? Right. It's the plan. And again, giving the patient the option for, for what they want to do. So that was one thing I know that's, that's one thing that can really be eat up our time. Mm 
mm-hmm. is if there's a whole lot going on and just making the plan already is a lot. Um, sometimes I have pulled in the doctor. If I know that, you know, they don't have a lot going on at that moment, I'll pull in the doctor's assistant to come in and do the exam with him because what better way for the patient to go ahead and establish a relationship with that assistant. Mm-hmm. She can do the treatment plan, look at their schedule. She knows it better than anyone um, and accommodate that patient. And they've already established that relationship. So I just think there's a lot of options to go with there. Cause I find myself sometimes feeling a little panicky. Like I'm looking around and I'm cleaning and I know, you know, Oh my gosh, this is going to be a big conversation already kind of in my head, planning out, mapping out how we're going to make this work and what we're going to offer to the patient so that I can get to my next patient on time. Yeah. And we, and we do that too. Like, listen, we want to do as much as possible for the patient the same day that they're there and make their experiences seamless as possible, you know, consolidate whenever we can. Like if the person's here for hygiene and they have an aligner delivery next week, like, yeah, I might have the assistant come do the aligner delivery the same day to save them a trip, you know, back, or like, I may do it if I'm able to do it myself. Um, so like, I totally get it from that aspect and trying to do as much as we can with what we have, but remembering that we have finite resources. Also, we do have finite, we have finite time. We have finite, like, you know, people supporting us like they're, it's okay to say like, all right, this isn't realistic in the time that I have today. You know, like, how can I have this conversation with the patient and reappoint them so that they actually get the conversation that they need? Because if it's like, a 30 minute conversation and you have five minutes to do it, the patient's not getting what they need anyway. Right. There's no reason to stuff that into that time frame. stress yourself out, stress the next patient out, stress the doctor out, stress, you know, everyone is stressed in that situation. You're really not doing what is best. So it's kind of like a really important judgment call, but that's something that we do too, is I'll schedule. I'll just say like, Hey, there's a lot going on here. You know, I see several areas of decay. I consulted with the dentist on this. He's concerned about this, this, and this. Um, and he wants to, sit down and spend some dedicated time reviewing this with you and doing a tour of the mouth essentially. And like what needs to be done and explaining everything. Um, and usually they're like, Oh, okay, no problem. And, and a lot of those patients too are aware that there are a lot of problems, right. especially if it's right. a person with like bombed out teeth and they haven't been in 10, 15 years and that sort of thing. So that's a, a usually a good place to start, but yeah, I think that's totally realistic and reasonable and definitely, definitely okay to do. And in a lot of situations, it's what's best for the patient too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just had a patient just on uh, Friday, just the other day where um, she came in as a new patient and she's a little older and it took her a really long time to fill out her medical history. Mm-hmm. And by the time she came back and we actually went through it all with her and she had a lot going on medically. Um, by the time we did that and did all of our assessments, I didn't have time to do hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the doctor that she wanted to see was actually out that day. And we had another doctor who was going to come in and do her exam. And so, you know, in my head, like I'm looking and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, there's a lot happening in here and he's not here today. And how do I manage this really well to make her happy? So at the end, you know, I just sat her up and we looked at the x-rays and photos and we talked about what we were seeing and what her goals were. And I was just really transparent with her and said, look, um, you know, I know it took us a while to get the medical history done and, and gone through. And that's really important. I'm glad we did that. Um, and I know that, uh, the doctor that you want to see specifically is not here today. Would it be okay with you if I had this other doctor step in to just kind of take a look and kind of talk about, you know, let's talk, just talk about some general options so you can kind of be thinking. Um, but I also don't have time to get things cleaned up because of the time we've taken today. What if, what if I brought you back next week and I went ahead and did your cleaning and then we moved you over and had some time for you to meet with the doctor. Mm -hmm. 
And she's like, oh, that would be perfect. And I really kind of want my son to be here for it too, because he's going to be helping me financially. And it was, it was the perfect fit. And she was really, really happy about that. But I think it's just, you know, being very, very honest and vulnerable about what our limitations are and what is happening and giving them some options. Right. Yeah. So I think that the the main points and the main takeaways are like, let's be realistic. Let's let go of perfectionism and trying to do all the things, be all the things to everyone and do it perfectly every single day. Because if we have that expectation of ourselves or of others, like we're always going to feel like we're failing because no one is perfect. There's no such thing as the perfect day, the perfect appointment, the perfect anything. So like, let's stop holding ourselves to that standard and learn how to just have this team orientation of like asking for help, helping when, when able and when necessary, and just kind of like having flexibility and the ability to say, this isn't what I expected, but I'm going to do the best I can with what I have. Right. Yeah. And I just think so much grace and then just communicating. Yeah. I actually just saw an article yesterday that I thought was really interesting. And it was talking about, um, people feeling fulfillment through their work. Mm -hmm. And one of the ideas, and I thought this is really cool. And I'm not sure that I have the time to actually do this physically, but I could do it mentally. Um, It talked about keeping kind of a work journal and writing down, you know, some of the questions were, you know, what felt good today? What did, you know, what did I accomplish that felt good? What went really well? What didn't go well? And, and what would be a better way to manage that next time? And I just thought that's a really cool thing, especially when we are doing so much, because it gets really easy to, you know, by the end of the day, you're like, I can't even remember the first patient I saw today. It was so crazy. Um, but I think, you know, just kind of reflecting back through the day of like, hey, what was meaningful today? And it could be as simple as, you know, that assistant said, hey, thank you. That really helped me today. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that patient saying, this place is awesome. And I'm going to tell my family to come here because you guys treated me so well. Um, You know, it could be that review that came through about you. It could be your doctor saying, Hey, great job. That was awesome. Good catch. I mean, it's, it can be even little tiny things, but I think staying grounded in the good we are doing is really, really important to the mental mental health and sanity side of this, because it is easy to get lost in all the details and lost in all the busy but when it comes down to it at the end of the day, you know, what are we doing for people that really is having an impact in a very positive way for them? And that's, that's where, for me, I feel the fulfillment. Right. And I think that reflection part of it is like the, the key, because when you think about one of those times where you went in and you had a conversation with one of your docs and you're like, this is all the stuff that I see. And he asks you a question and you don't know the answer. You're like, crap you know that that's what you think about the rest of the day. Like you don't think about the assistant that paid you a compliment or the hundred things that went right. You think about like the one thing you did wrong. So like, it's so important to have that, like that reflection, the gratitude, the intention, like the, the look back at the day. I think that that's incredibly empowering and just helps us to really have good perspective on like what we're doing and what we're accomplishing and feel good about ourselves, you know? So yeah, that's my challenge for the week is when you, when you get in your car at the end of the day, instead of like thinking about all the things that didn't go well, or who said what, or how that all went, just stop and say, what was really great about today? What am I thankful for that happened today? That's my challenge. I love it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us once again. um, We 
are ecstatic and we know that we've been sharing about this we just recently officially shared that our next summit is planned for June it's third and fourth right Teresa yes in in, in 2022 in Nashville Tennessee early bird tickets are already sold out that means the first 50 we're almost to 100 you know it's it's going to sell out long before the event takes place so I'm urging you if you have thought about it before, if it's been on your mind, if you've wanted to bring your team, this is the year to do it. We're going to have several tracks this year where we've got team track, we've got hygiene track, and we've got uh, bulletproof dental practice track. And that's all happening simultaneously. So you can kind of switch it up and see if you want to take this part of this track and this part of this track, you can mix and match this year and make it exactly what you want. So whether you've gone, you know, several times before, or this is your first time attending, just know that it's very, very adaptable to whatever you want to learn about, whatever you want to make it. And we are so excited to be doing it this way. We definitely did it and designed it this way with you guys in mind. So we're so looking forward to this year in Nashville with you, and we hope that you can make it. Um, If you are interested in getting more information, you can go to bulletproofsummit.com. You can register there and just kind of read more about and and hear uh, what people have had to say about about past summits, but we are looking forward to it. And, and we're just incredibly uh, thankful ahead of time that, that the tickets are flying off the shelf here. <laughs> Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hedging Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you. 